Welcome to Tilt Talk Radio. Today we've got a special interview episode for you. We're bringing in Dale Raymakers, a retired meteorologist. But our normal characters are here as well. So with me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey guys. Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilties out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So welcome, Dale. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. I ah, appreciate uh, you inviting me. Yeah, so before we get too much into the topic, we'll give you a little introduction here. So you were a UW-Madison graduate in meteorology. You worked in the meteorology industry for 40 years before recently retiring from DTN. Correct. All right. We got to talk about the fun stuff first. <laughs> I know. So being a UW-Madison graduate, I, I take it you follow the Badgers and everything? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the football, hockey, basketball, everything. So feels like an exciting year for it. You know, new football coach. New hockey coach. New, is it? I didn't yeah. know that part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Same, Volley- same basketball coach. We're a volleyball school now, though. Oh, volleyball. <laughs> volleyball is good. Yeah. They won again last night. 12-0. Wow. Setting records, winning games. It's good. Yeah. What do you think of the Friday night football, Dale? Uh, much better game than the last, you know, the previous uh, couple of games. Uh, they finally got the offense on track. It's good to see that they used Braylon a lot more right. in the first I half. I think they kind of had to in the second half after. <laughs> you yeah, Malusi. Yeah, Malusi going down. That poor guy. I mean, you know, he's always got an injury bug, and now he's done for the year again. So They said he did not. He hasn't redshirted yet, so he can redshirt this year and play next year. Which was because he didn't play the four games. Right. If he'd like, he could come back next year. I'm thinking, that's six years in college, and (laughs) the last three you ended with injuries or whatever it was. I think I'd do something else. Hmm. Well, I guess him and Braylon are, you know, best of buddies, and if Braylon goes to the NFL next year, he probably won't come back. But maybe if Braylon stays, maybe he will. Yeah. He probably wants to go to the NFL, so he probably needs some more film. So maybe he'll come back. It was weird, but I liked it. I don't know what you guys' opinion of having college football on a Friday night. Like it's not, it's it felt wrong, but it was also <laughs> nice on Saturday then when you didn't have to worry about watching Badger football. But it was it was different. Well, like we were talking before, I I completely forgot about it, even though we talked about it last week. It's <laughs> so, <laughs> like, oh yeah, no, they're playing tonight. Uh, Friday nights for high school. They, they, they are Saturday. Yeah. yeah. In, Texas, well, it is in Texas, that would not stand. There would be yes, no, you're right. There are Friday night lights. Friday night lights. Down there. Could you, could you, you could watch the game on your phone at the high school game but if, or listen to it, but I feel like that there would was, be not cool. I either. did attend a high school football game, and there was a lot of buzz in the crowd so, sure. of guys looking at their phones, and the brewers were on and all that, too. Yeah. So Random cheering for things yeah, that weren't happening on yeah, the field. yeah. So, it was very weird, though. And Brewers, you got a... It's been a good week for all Wisconsin yes, sports, no, it's, really. It's almost like if you were Sports Talk Radio right now, there's so much to talk about. I don't even know where you start, because it's... Okay. Yeah. The Brewers didn't even have to try to get their playoff spot <laughs> clinched, really. It was weird. I didn't know they clinched. Like, I'm like, well, they lost. How did they clinch? I'm like, oh, yeah, the other team lost. The but team it was just a weird way to back into it. The other team can't catch up. Yeah. Yeah. And we play that other team, so, yeah. so that'll be. And the Packers had three terrible quarters, but one really good oh. quarter. That's all you need. That's win. all you need. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. 
That's because they had three good quarters of the game before and one terrible one. So now right. we've they got one, it together. one good game. Yep. It was exciting to watch, though. I was happy to make it in. I listened to part of it on the radio and watched the, the last half of it. And it was good momentum building. Like, okay, they're, they're doing something now. Then the first touchdown's like, oh, okay. Maybe they're in this yet. Big game tonight. Yeah. Yeah, that's this will be exciting night against the Lions to really see what this team's about. We the know two, the Lions, the two are good. powerhouses of the NFC yeah. North, yeah. since the other two teams are zero and three. That's weird. It is. Well, and we I, that was the last. Remember the last game we all went to, and the Lions beat was, us. Yeah, yep. And that was brutal to just see them beat us right at the end. Like, yeah, to, to them basically, they didn't accomplish anything. They didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> they just kept us out, and we couldn't. We couldn't win, so hopefully tonight's a redemption game on that. Yeah, it'd be nice to see. Oh, if they're talking Aaron Jones is going to be back. Watts, it'll be out there. They better. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> they should have all the weapons they need. Compare, unlike the last two games where they were missing Aaron Jones and Jair last Sunday. Will Bakhtiari so. ever play again? Like, is I don't know. It's not on turf, so maybe. Yeah. He's out already. They've yeah, yeah. deemed him out. Oh, really? They call yeah. him out, yeah. That's three games. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is going to be his last year. There's no doubt about that. This doesn't seem like his knee's holding up, so. Maybe we should have traded him to the Jets. Yeah. <laughs> they probably wouldn't have given us anything anyways. <laughs> no, I'm sure. Maybe they're just giving him an extended period because now we don't play till Monday night. Right. They get, like, the super buy here. Super buy. They don't play again until Monday night the following week. And, and then, the and then their bye is after, yeah. I think, the week after. So, yeah, it's, they get 10 days off and then another week off. So Yeah, enough to get rusty. That'll be great. <laughs> Never know. It's a different team, younger team. It, they're much, yeah. You could tell watching this team. I still can't believe when they got down in that fourth quarter, they didn't just give up. Like, the defense was still playing really hard when they were down 17 to nothing. Like, yeah. it was unreal. Yeah, this team has some fight in them, which is cool. Yeah. They don't know any better. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. They're all like that's 23. Okay. They yeah. don't know any better. That is okay. Yeah, I'll take that. And then the, the big bucks trade. Yeah, that was a, it was a three-team trade, right? There was... Yeah. And at first when we traded away Drew Holiday, I was bummed because I really like Drew Holiday, but this... But Damian Lillard, who I knew very little about, is he's like a top really five good. player in yeah. the league. Like they went from the like fourth best odds to win the finals to the best odds, just right there. Which they still got to play, of course. But and uh, he's not a spring chicken, and he's had some injuries. Yeah, and so it's like win now because my gosh, they don't have a first round pick for ever, ever. Yeah, yeah. they just keep trading him away. Yeah, they, and this one, this deal was twenty twenty nine and twenty thirty or something like that, wasn't <laughs> right. it? The the picks they were trading away. Well, I didn't think of that. It's because we don't have a first round pick before that. Yeah. It's probably, yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, because I'm like, why did that far out? Well, <laughs> duh, holy man. Well, I, when you're a small market team like the Bucks, I guess it is. You got and you got a guy like Giannis. You you play for today, but that's truly mortgaging the future. Yeah, <laughs> they've done it. So you better. Yeah, they better win now because you're. <laughs> It doesn't look good for <laughs> later on. It, it was cool watching Lillard highlights 
because I, like I said, I didn't know anything about them. So I just you YouTube like the top 30 plays and they were all either buzzer beating threes. Nice. Which we didn't have a guy that could do that before. No. We didn't have that clutch shooter. No. So he'll be that. Or like basically layups or dunks. So he was, he seems to be that guy that'll take, you know, your three point high leverage three point shot or, or an easy kind of get by and go for the layup or dunk. So. But he's shorter than he's only late. Well, he's six two, which is tall. <laughs> oh my gosh! But in so the NBA, short. that's that's pretty small. It's all right. Doesn't have the size thirty shoe that yeah, right. some of the other like guys Giannis, do. Yeah. All right. Should we get into it? Yeah. Let's talk weather. All okay. Right. So I guess first off, obviously we've had kind of a a roller coaster year here in the Midwest. Uh, some areas. Experiencing severe drought and some less severe. So why were we so dry this year, Dale? Well, I mean, the you know climate changes every every year, year to year. It's just not a persistent pattern that you get stuck in. So for us this year, um, we were under this upper level ridge, and upper level ridge is like high pressure in the upper atmosphere, and that relates to um, just warmer temps, drier conditions. Uh, with the you know west coast being more wet and the east coast being more wet as well because you think of um, uh, the atmosphere like a river it's it's uh, you know it's, it's a constantly moving flow of of, of uh, wind and air and there's like these eddies that permeate in the atmosphere so where the low lows are the troughs that's where you're getting you know, the, the precipitation and the cooler temps and where these upper level ridges are is where it's dry. And the Midwest just happened to be under that upper level ridge for this summer. So, you know, we're transitioning from, uh, it was La Nina uh, for the last two years, which is cooler Pacific um, ocean temperatures. And now we're transitioning into uh, El Nino phase, which is warmer temperatures in the Pacific. Um, and that has certain climatological uh, relationships with that type of a pattern. But um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it can be, you know, you're going to be really dry with La Nina. We just happen to be that this year. I mean, that's just the, over the course of the you know, places of the world, that's how the weather pattern changes all the time. It's not um, stuck in a pattern like a lot of people tend to believe. Sure. And it's interesting that transition because read about it in the news and everything about that transition from La Nina to El Nino. And usually El Nino is a favorable weather weather pattern for the Midwest. At least that's what they, they tell us anyway. And But this year with that transition happening, so is it, is the transition not done? Are we not in the El Nino yet or how does that we're we're starting in that phase now, so it's starting to strengthen out in the Pacific. So we're we're moved we moved into the El Nino phase, and uh, for the for the upper Midwest, that's typically for the summer or for the winter. It's usually a warmer and um, somewhat wetter, but you but typically warmer. We'll take so, somewhat wetter. Yeah, we could use somewhat the, the moisture. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, so like last two years at least, or I'm you know I'm from Minnesota. And um, oh, you're not from Minnesota. Well, you currently <laughs> I reside. In I, I reside in Minnesota. Yes. You're right, Todd. So uh, <laughs> thanks for correcting me on that. I am. I, I was always be a Wisconsin. Yes. I have been and will be. But I live in Minnesota, and um, you know we've had a we had 
fantastic winners, at least for me, because I'm a snowmobiler. So did a lot of snowmobiling, best ever, the last two years and probably 30 years. Um, but now next year, it'll probably be warmer and the conditions just won't be that favorable for snow. Um, that's, that's typically what happens, you know, for the winter time in this area, an upper Midwest, Great Lakes region. But, uh, and then for the spring, the spring will be warmer where we've had La Nina was just terrible springs, right? We just seems like winter hung on forever. Um, but this, this coming spring, we should see, I would, I would expect a, a, a warmer, more typical, if not even warmer beginning, uh, to spring than we have the last last two seasons. Ooh, that's good news. Yeah. Uh, right there. Yeah. Uh, I like that. that. Is, yeah, yeah, we'll take that. <laughs> With this upper level ridge you talk about, Dale, does that, will El Nino or La Nina break that at all, or is that a whole different climate? To what breaks that thing? How do we get rid of this upper re- level ridge? How do we jump off it's, the ridge? Right. It seems like this ridge seems to be the problem. Well, it, it you know, it's it, it's not always... Just because you're at La Nina, that you have a, a upper level ridge over the you know the Midwest, it's it can be it's you know warmer summers that way. But um, now that El Nino is is uh, in, in phase, that uh, you'll get more westerly flow. So instead of these sharper troughs and ridges, just uh, they're more minor, and you'll get what happens is that you'll get a more westerly flow during the winter. And so you're getting warmer air aloft that's coming off the, from the Pacific and through the, um, uh, over the Western part of the United States and North America. I like that. Is it, you kind of touched into some of this Dale, but what do you think the sort of long range pattern or forecast? I think you already kind of went into that. Anything else to, that you think for sort of for in the, especially we're extremely dry right now. Some parts are getting a little bit more moisture in areas, uh, but there's still a lot of places where our subsoil moisture is extremely dry. Do you do you see in that long-range forecast that we'll be able to replenish that a little bit before going into winter? What what kind of sort of short-term and long-term patterns are you seeing? I, I think so. I think they're the patterns more. Um, uh, it's I'll say more volatile. So that's it's it's changing where you're going to see the you know, um, rain, rain systems come in, low pressures moving in and getting, getting a little bit more precipitation here over the next 30 days. I think more normal, um, for precipitation, the temperature wise would be probably near to a little bit above normal here for the next month. I think the 90 day outlook looks, um, to be warmer and the precipitation wise close to normal. So I, I, it probably won't pick or um, overcome the the drought that we've had for the last year or so, but it, it at least it'll be um, uh, bringing more precipitation than you have. I know here in you know there's, it's spotty right here in northeastern Wisconsin. You've, I think you guys have been kind of in a dry spell, more dry, but there's portions when you go for a little west, like towards Wausau and so forth. They've gotten a little bit more more rain, Recently, so yeah. Yeah. Um, you know it's it's that's just how close it can be from being near normal to being you know abnormal. I can't believe how many of the weather forecasts use the word. I don't ever think one of them said 
like just showers like we've had recently. But earlier in the summer, it was always they used the word scattered or isolated showers. Like every time. What what are those terms? I mean, I, we obviously know kind of what they mean, but why would you use scattered sometimes? Why would you use isolated? When when do they use those? And are, are those are those just kind of for them to cover their ass when you're a weatherman? <laughs> like so that they don't have to like really be that specific? Well, uh, you know, that's that's just been meteorological terminology i guess ever since i've been in the business um so you you we try to put it in layman's terms for for the folks like yourself um who aren't meteorologists per se todd is definitely a layman uh, yeah <laughs> the biggest one uh so like you know isolated is that's less of a chance or less of a of a coverage for less coverage uh for precipitations so we go like from isolated to scattered, which means you know, increased coverage versus isolated. Then you can go to occasional, all right, and that means that you're just getting better chance or more coverage for precipitation. So um, I think when you, when you hear from the media, media meteorologists, they use those terms to help explain and, and uh, to the you know average person what you know, how intense or how much coverage the precipitation will be because, you know, there's other, you know, you, you might hear um, precipitation probabilities, right? 30%, 50% chance of rain. And to that, people go, well, what does that mean? So they use isolated or scattered or occasional or just plain old rain. It's going to rain today, which means, oh, it's just going to rain all day, right, if somebody says that. Uh, where precipitation probabilities... Um, that too is, is something that, um, to the, even to the meteorology community has different definitions. So, you know, technically by the national weather service, um, 30% would mean that out of a, a grid point, a grid point is like two and a half kilometers. Uh, for that grid point, there's a hundred percent chance that 30% of that grid point is going to have precipitation. That's what that technically that definition means but that you know to again to to a lot of even meteorologists out there will say well 50 percent 50 percent coverage of our, our area will have you know have a chance for, for precipitation so it's 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 not cut and dry out there so i gave you the the you know the the technical definition of it but then there's the kind of the layman or just the average joe um uh, explanation of what that could mean when you hear those. So 60% of the time it works every time. <laughs> See, I mean, that's, that's the other, right? Some people look at it that way too, right? I was waiting, Matt. I was just waiting. <laughs> I knew it was coming from you. That was the biggest, like, I always like weather, like, okay, 30%. Okay. Does that mean like 30, 30% of a certain area gets covered that it's going to rain? Like the weatherman was right because you know, they've got, area got such rain. an area that they covered that 30% of it got rain. Or is it just 30% of the, there's a chance of 30%. Like, that's how I look at it. Like, okay, 30%. Yeah, we might get a little shot here or there. But for the most part, it's not going to rain today. Like in a layman's, that's what I think about 30%. Right. I mean, so, you know, for the company I recently worked for and our, our computer models, I mean, I would look at it from our weather forecast system that, if it was 40% or greater that our models were predicting, 
there was pretty good chance that you're going to get some type of precipitation. So like 20 to 40%, you'd consider that maybe the isolated. The 40 to 60%, probably the scattered. And then over 60% probability, that's probably the occasional, the likelihood that you got a good chance of, of getting precipitation. So I would, if you see precipitation probabilities out there, that's how I would relate it then to the isolated, the scattered, or the you know, occasional. For and those percentages mean nothing about amount, right? It's not, it's just, if it rains a tenth of an inch, that's your percentages okay, versus we got three inches of rain. The percentages mean nothing to amount or not? I, you're, you're right. Yeah, they actually do. So uh, one thing when I mentioned that the definition by the weather service, that kilometer that grid for 30 percent chances for was for one hundredth of an inch of precipitation so sure. it's not much right so to your point just because it says it's 60 percent it could be for five hundredths of an inch of rain or it could be for one inch of rain right so uh, a lot of times I, I, the tip i would give is that when you look at a forecast from whoever you're looking at from if you're looking at percentage wise look at the Look at the amount of precipitation that's forecast. So if it's, is it three-tenths of an inch or three-hundredths of an inch, right? Because you may have 60% for both, but then that just tells you that the likelihood of, of getting some precipitation is much better with a, with a three-tenths of a percent or three, yeah, three, uh, or uh, one, th you know, third of an inch of rain versus three-hundredths of an inch sure. of rain. Right. That's actually great for farmers. Like, we don't, we don't care if it's going to rain a hundredth, like. So what? Right. But if it's going to rain a half an inch, that's good to know. So yeah, that's a good point. I didn't. I didn't think. It, did Dale? Do you think the weather apps? So I don't ever remember. Like twenty, thirty years ago, I don't ever remember hearing like a percentage. I don't. Maybe that was a thing. It was just the weatherman. I don't. They don't. I don't remember them on the TV weather showing like a percentage. But now that we got weather apps and different weather things, it seemed like that's when that percentage came on. Did Did the weather apps change some things? Make it better or worse? for you guys as, as meteorologists, or was it just a different way to deliver it? Well, I, I think because of the weather apps, there, there are a lot more meteorologists out there today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I figured that's where it's coming. Armchair meteorologists. Yes. Yeah. I love it when I'm with my group of friends, and, you know, weather's always a topic, right, anywhere you go, and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, they start talking about the weather. Oh, yeah, it's going to rain tomorrow, and it looks like, and I'm just sitting there, you know, listening to them, watching them, <laughs> yeah. and just laughing kind of inside, like, you know, of course, they always, you know, why, why should you ask Dale? You know, he's, <laughs> he's only right 50% of the time. I mean, I, I, that never gets old. So, how, how, um, so how far in advance can you be reliable? Like, if, if today is Wednesday and you're looking, obviously, weekend, Saturday something, okay, and it's going to rain Saturday, how reliable is that? And maybe that's, every storm is different or every weather pattern is different, but how much in advance can you logically predict that we're pretty close? So, you know, that that's my 40 years, the models have come a long way. And, you know, when I 30, 40 years ago, and I started probably the only the next 24 to 48 hours was right. worth a worth anything for accuracy. And now I'd say, the first five days are pretty good. The first two days, it's it's almost like I'd say ninety ninety five percent accurate, and then as you get towards the fourth and fifth day, it's probably eighty percent accurate. So the first five days, the models do a pretty good job, 
but when you get beyond five days, the, the accuracy just starts dropping sure. off. So 10, 12 days out, it's, it's not that, you know, it's like maybe 60% or so, I think, accuracy-wise. It just really starts trailing off. Um, that's, that's why, you know, you, look at, you talk about long range or especially if you get on another topic about, you know, uh, climate change. It's just, it's just, that's, it's a, you're getting more towards the coin flip right, the longer you go out. So we've got, we got a long ways to go yet in the science. I mean, the computer models are incredible today, especially the computer power, uh, what they can do and, and forecast. It's, it's much better than it was 30, 40 years ago, for sure. Um, but yeah, there's still a lot of room for, for improvement, for accuracy, when you start going out towards nine, 10, or, or you know, days or longer. Is temperature the same? Like, you know, I'm, I'm maybe that question was more inferring like precipitation, but long range temperature, is that a little more accurate? It, it's certainly more accurate than precipitation because precipitation is a lot harder sure. to predict um, from a mo from model science perspective. So temperatures are, are easier kind of uh, when you go out longer. You know, even if the computer models, you look at your, at your phone app, right, for forecast, the longer you go out, what happens is that the models will tend towards climatology. So whatever, you know, what the normal is, day 10, 11 from now, if, if the normal high is 60, they'll, they'll, maybe it's like 65 for a temperature sure. they'll put in there because it's telling you, well, it's going to be warmer than normal, but to say that it's, you know, it could end up being 75 because the, they don't really, the models don't hone in on that real extreme stuff. They, they have a tendency, there's a bias in the models to tone down that extreme event or, you know, a record-setting temperature. They, the models have a, they, they don't like to do that. They don't like to forecast record lows or record highs. So so, so you're saying especially in the 5 to 10 day out, it's, they include a lot of data that's, okay, this Historic. is what years past has been. This is what it'll be. That, that's it's, interesting to know that. It's a big part of the, of the modeling that, yes, climatology is, is a factor. It's just one of a hundred, you know, hundreds of variables that, that go into computer modeling. Um, but that's one of them that, uh, that, that factors into the, the end forecast. So does severe weather as a, as a weatherman, as a meteorologist, does that excite you? Does that freak you out like everybody else i mean we had two summers ago literally all the rubble that's behind us it was a tornado so i mean and that kind of came out of nowhere really well, they predicted it somewhat which was helpful it was actually most. yeah one of the times that they had called for severe weather and yeah it showed up versus other times you get really the call for it and it doesn't necessarily appear but i imagine that has to do with that same percentage of chance of precipitation it could turn into a thunderstorm versus a a regular just rainstorm well and so you know when it comes to uh severe weather that that again is where the models um, and science has really improved a lot in the last 20 to 30 years uh because again it's it's something that's going to happen probably you know that day right or the next day and sure. again within 24 to 48 hours the models are pretty good at predicting um the weather so there's a lot of um, uh, tools and models that, that come into play that, that say, okay, we can pinpoint a specific area 
where the 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 percentage or the likelihood of of a severe weather event is high and even getting it you know the time of the day is it going to happen earlier in the afternoon or towards you know the evening hours just because you know the timing of it when the when the conditions uh, are right for that so they do a pretty good job uh, when it comes to that severe weather I mean, you, you can look out five, six days from now and go, wow, this could be a strong event. And for, for meteorologists, what we looked is for consistency. So there's many models out there, um, many models to, to, to choose from. And if you see a consensus among several models, then you have higher confidence that that weather event's going to happen. That, that's where, you know, we're looking for that consistency and, and build that confidence say, okay, we feel really confident that there's going to be an extreme weather event on this particular day. And then you can just, then when it gets closer to that within 24 hours, you can look at all the parameters, you know, the higher dew points, the veering and winds at height and so forth to say, wow, this place looks really good or this, this particular area looks really good for um, uh, severe weather. Are, are In meteorology, are there storm chasers or not really? Like, are there people that are like, like you say, love the severe kind of tornado events, or is it when you're in the business, you're above that and you're just like, not nah, that that's sort of the, I don't know, the lower, lower level kind of there. So there it's, it's a big, it's not only are there meteorologists who are highly interested. I mean, it's a business right now. I mean, it, Remember the movie Twister? Yeah, right. That's what I go back it to. Starts, That's what kind of started it all, <laughs> exactly. right? It, it did. Uh, it, before that, I mean, there there was a huge influx of um, students going to college to become meteorologists because of that because of that movie. movie. All of a sudden, there was a sure. there was a grad. You know, three four years later, there was a big graduating class and of, of meteorologists that came into the industry. But there's a number of people that do that today, and you know, I, the I've have I had a a handful of um, co-workers back when I was working here recently that um, that's what they, they would go on every time there was a potential for a severe weather event, they were jumping in their car and racing to some point. I mean, driving hours into Iowa or Nebraska or Southern Minnesota um, to, to watch, you know, to, to sit, to put themselves in a position to watch this tornado. And uh, one person, Brad Nelson in particular, he's, he's got, videos on youtube and pictures that are really incredible and um i'm i've got to get myself out there i always wanted to do it i haven't done it yet i haven't even seen a tornado yet in my lifetime so i got to do that yeah that would be terrifying yeah like asking recently gone through it and asking people about it that we had a because you guys oh, were I down in Madison that time. So we, we had a meeting in Madison, and they brought in a, a guy that does that. And he actually had video from his car. He made a wrong turn and got stuck in a cul-de-sac and had to wait out the tornado. And so, yeah, he showed the video of him basically, like, thinking he was going to die because the tornado was ripping the houses apart around him. And um, I don't remember the guy's name, but... You think I'd just like go through backyards and stuff at that point? Like, well, that's I think he, wherever he was, he couldn't get out of because sure. of some yeah. reason I don't remember. You know, if you're out in the plains and there, there's rectangles, right? And I mean, you're, you're basically got roads that go forever yep. and they're squares, right? So right. you can you got to go north, south, east, west, and can't get caught across a field to get out of the way. So you got to know what you're doing. 
and position yourself. The biggest thing too is not only worrying about getting killed, but um, getting your car just ripped to shreds by hail because sure. out there the hailstone hailstones are huge because of the huge updrafts and the intense um, uh, thunderstorms that build from from uh, you know into tornadoes. That if you get out ahead of the the storm in the wrong position, the first thing that happens is a hail shaft, and then the tornado's behind it. <laughs> you, your car can get just destroyed if you're in that hail shaft. So what makes what makes the planes so prone to all these severe hailstorms, tornadoes? Is it? it it's a it's really a perfect weather machine. Um, in the world, the planes is just a perfect weather machine. So you've got you got the Gulf of Mexico that brings in all this moisture. So you got. You know, you need moisture to fuel the thunderstorms. And then you got the plains that are they're just, you know, bare ground. So the sun can beat up on this sure. ground and heat up the ground. So you're yep. getting these air parcels that are just moving quickly up into the air, right, taking air from the surface and rising them rapidly up into the atmosphere where you got cooler air aloft. And then you've got dry air coming in from the desert southwest. So at mid-levels like... Um, Below at like nine, ten thousand feet, the dry air at from surface to like five to six thousand feet, you've got this fuel, the moisture coming in sure. from the Gulf of Mexico. And then the third component you need is veering or the winds. So you want strong southerly winds at the surface, and then you want them to veer aloft. So they start swinging to the southwest at at um, eight to ten thousand feet, and then from the west at fifteen to twenty five thousand feet and above so the more veering you have and the more the the stronger the wind you get this this creates this vorticity then the spin that sure. essentially creates that spin so having all those components come together creates the strong thunderstorm which can in turn turn into a tornado and that's that's the recipe um and why that area is so prone um, to strong thunderstorms and tornadoes. That's interesting. Like you don't, you just hear how bad it is. You don't know that the, that it's a like you said, a weather factory for it. And just, the crazy part is, like my wife has an aunt, and uncle that live in Bali, Tulsa, and when those kind of weather patterns happen, it's just like a okay, whatever. Like they, like we were there for a wedding, and you know all these storms are happening, and all this. Upper Midwesterners are freaking out about tornadoes, and they're just like, "Okay, whatever. It's three miles that way. We're good." Like, that's the crazy part about just used to it. The locals, yeah. Are, yeah. yeah. Well, you you live out there too, and you can see for miles, right? Yeah. So, sure. I think here, what freaks everybody out is that you can't see what's coming, right? right. You know, you can't see for five miles away. There's this big tornado or thunderstorm coming. We're out there. It's it's. Oh, okay. I see it. It's over. It's down the. It's over there. But that over there is like five miles away. Sure. And um, that's the thing. Is unless you're right in the path of a tornado, and you can be a mile or so away, and it's it's not going to impact you, right? I mean, you guys kind of what you mentioned before, what happened just in your backyard a couple of years ago. Um, you saw the the path of destruction, but it wasn't it wasn't like the whole town was right. ripped apart, yeah, right. right? So. Um, you know, that, that's, I think that's maybe the difference that too. I think they're just, they just so used to it because it, it happens sure. all the time. Is that why like Minnesota, Wisconsin, we don't see the intensity because we're further from the Gulf? Yeah, that has a lot to do with it. You, you don't always get the, um, 
the moisture, the fuel, so to speak, sure. um, up this far. I mean, you, you, we've, we get days where that happens, but mm-hmm. um, again, and then like Minnesota is on the edge of the eastern plains, right? Uh, you're, Wisconsin is really not in the plains, right? No. You're in the Great Lakes region, and it's just a different geographics, and um, it, it just uh, that's why it doesn't happen so often here in Wisconsin. Yeah, this year we really didn't have any well, it never severe rains, so weather. It's hard right. to get tornadoes or severe. You can't have yeah <laughs> some local pockets of hail, but yeah, right, like small hail. Yeah, there's yeah, some very, to the south and some to the north. Yeah, Pisa. I mean. Can the weather models predict hail at all? Is there anything in there that they see that helps see that? And then do you do you see like how do you get the different sizes of hail? Like we it, it does it it does. I mean, it's all part of you know part of the modeling. It, it gives you insights into the potential for for um, hail being involved. So you know you're looking for certain conditions again. Um, you're looking for that moisture and and warmer temperatures at the lower levels, but then you have uh, cooler air much cooler air at uh, 10 12,000 feet so that when you get these parcels of air that keep rising and what happens is that you know the the, the parcels of air um, are, are moving really fast in, in the upper atmosphere so they're they're rising and dropping rising and dropping and then they're they're collecting right our ice ice crystals are collecting and the the, the more um the more intense, the more up, the stronger the updrafts and so forth, downdrafts, the, the, the more it can collect. But you also need the right temperature at that level so that it's cold enough for, for that to coalesce and create the hailstone. So the, the reason why they're bigger down, down, you know, in the plains again or south is because you're, you're getting more, you got more moisture and you got more, more intense um, updrafts and downdrafts to, to create the, to collect and create those hailstones. Is it known how long it takes to create a hailstone? Like, a, does a softball size take 10 minutes and a pea size takes 30 seconds? Is there any of that science? Ooh, now you're testing me. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, you know, I, I don't really know, to be honest, the, the amount of time per se. Um, that's a good question. I might have to go look, at, look into that. Obviously, a bigger myself, one so. would logically take longer. But At the UW, yeah. did you have to take any weather classes? No. I, I took one. I don't remember why. And didn't it have to do with like it kept blowing, like it gets it just, just keeps circulating, circulating it, or something? It does. Yeah. It, yeah. Just, it keeps circulating. I think, but to your point, Bill, is that, you know, how long, how long does it, it right. how long it's, is this thunderstorm it's, sustaining itself, you know, to right. create collecting and, and, you know, coalescing, going from a pea size to quarter to golf ball to the unusual softball, right? I mean, that just yeah. doesn't happen. I mean, golf ball is. Is even large is really large, right? You did, that doesn't even happen very often. So, we did have we do have a, a resident Lions fan, and I'll get that in there now. But he was in a storm where he did get. Um, I think it was just maybe like slightly, baseball? yeah, baseball, and it hit the top of his truck. And like he, for whatever reason, he had his camera going because he was stopped. I think in construction because he was watching the construction guys kind of scatter. But it was loud. Just the Mono, I can't we had like the dash hit. cam going. Yeah. Oh, no, his phone was going. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. Just, I can't imagine being out in something like that. Must have had one heck of a dent. I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. So one thing we noticed this year, Dale, is we seem to have more weather coming east or out of the north, whereas normally we get south and west. Does that have anything to do with 
El Nino or La Nina, the, uh, that upper level ridge, or what if what causes that to kind of shift where the storms are coming from? That that was more due to the fact that this upper level ridge that was persist, persistent over the plains and, and Rockies. So you're on the east side of that ridge. So the upper air pattern is then fl going from northwest to southeast. So that's why a majority of the storms over Wisconsin this summer was look, you know, coming from that direction rather than, like you say, from the southwest or so. Okay. Um, it was weird looking at radar because you'd, you'd be like, oh, we're going to get rain. And then you hit animate and you're like, oh, it's going the other way. Shoot. I forget that. You're used to just watching it from the west come across. And right. like where, where you are in Minnesota near the cities, Dale, like what you get, we usually get the next day-ish. And you could just kind of watch it come across where this year it was. Every it was, once in a while you get the was, swirl where it it'll just sit over us for a while. Yeah, yeah what would yeah. cause it to, it, would it literally be, it'd be the, uh, instead of normally be what, clockwise? And then now it's sort of this counterclockwise rotation. Yeah, so uh, I mean, all the you know for the northern hemisphere, it's it's counterclockwise for these upper level lows, um, low pressure systems. So like the one that was kind of been sitting over us the last couple of days here, yep. right? You've you had this upper low that moved out of the Dakotas and Minnesota and spun to the south here in Illinois and kept us cloudy and you know the rain just kind of spinning in a counterclockwise rotation, right, for, from the east or southeast and because the low had passed to to your south so um but uh yeah i mean that's you know to your point uh storms typic or weather fronts systems that come in from west to east right that's or from southwest that's more the normal pattern but just in the summer uh if there's an upper level ridge then you're just going to get these waves of of thunderstorms, upper level, we call them upper level disturbances because they're really not cold fronts. You're not really getting cold fronts. You're just getting these little ripples in the atmosphere that are coming down and, and uh, kicking off thunderstorms for an evening or afternoon. Yeah. So what is your, I, I looked up that Brad Nelson you talked about before and he does the silver linings tours. Is that something you, have you done that with him at all or? I haven't, uh, so that's something that uh, we talked about, and uh, I hope next spring I'm, I'm become involved in doing one it's, of those. It's a silver lining tour. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Oh, that was okay. my next question. So, what is what the is silver lining? Well, it's, tour? it's just it's just a company that. Uh, so you know, he would take a take a week off and go down there and be the lead storm chaser. So they get you know people pay thousands of dollars to spend a week, um, riding in a van, driving around Texas or Oklahoma or wherever they think the the best chance for thunder you know tornadoes are going to be and you know sit in sit in a place or go chase them when they start to develop and and uh take their pictures and do their filming so wow. so he's like a tour guide for weather tour guide for weather exactly okay. you go go hunting matt you get your hunting yep. right yep. guide in in colorado here you can get your your weather you think he makes you sign a waiver <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they have some type of yeah. waiver to be signed. Yeah, four of them. I I just think of the wife from Twister who inadvertently goes along on the trip, and the whole time she's just screaming and like, "Is that what are we doing? Helen Hunt?" No, no, the, no. The, the his, other his second wife. Yeah. Oh yeah, because that she, was his fiance. Yeah, fiance, yes. sorry, yeah. you're right, fiance. It's been a while since. Come I on, man, it. get it right. <laughs> so how, how accurate is the flying cow? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
Bill, you would have went to college right when, right after Twister. So you probably went with all the weather Twister people. Maybe, yeah, they were there. You didn't know it. How did the, the? I mean, obviously here in the Midwest, we saw the wildfires, the smoke. How did that affect meteorology in your day? Not your day, like today. How would that affect a, a, a meteorologist's forecast in that specific day? The biggest thing is that, um, you know, so it, it was incredible, obviously, this year for the, the wildfires. I, I think I can't remember even in my lifetime how many times the sky was obscured with smoke. I mean, there's days that it, it seemed like uh, 50% of the sunlight was right. just obscured. So it, it, the biggest part it plays is, is lowering the temperature. Because it's like cloud, it's kind of a way like cloud cover, right? Sure. So you're not getting that direct sun to to, to um, heat up the the earth, and you're just getting a little bit cooler. And um, it, it, I'd like to know myself to see how much that plays an effect in the modeling, right? So it, smoke smoke is one thing that can help create um, you know or increase the chance for precipitation too, because it's it's the particles in the atmosphere that that help create this nuclei to 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 um, create uh, clouds and you know turn into precipitation. So um, it it plays a it plays a role meteorological. That's just this is another example of how many different factors there are, and that's why it's so hard to predict. I mean, yeah, think of that of small just yeah. that one little factor and right. what that would throw for the whole model and the whole how to guess at it. That is crazy. And how, like you say, how it was bad this year. And, and in a way it may be from a, from an agriculture standpoint for how hot and dry we were, we maybe we were lucky. We had that smoke to sort of tame down the heat right. and not sure. dry out the soil quite as much for these plants. I, it's, it was odd because when it was happening, we didn't know what it would do. And the way yields are coming off right now, it probably seemed to actually help. So, which yeah. is odd. It'd be interesting to see too the if the the carbon uptake in plants was higher this year because of having that extra source of it in the in the air like that. Easy so, to yeah. Get. yeah. Dale, with you being at DTN, as long as you were the the <laughs> we don't know what to even call them. What what are these old computer things that farmers had and they 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 like loved them so they're like the original Starlink because they had like a satellite that yeah, would get you like a cable box yeah get you weather and, yeah. and markets and um, have you you've seen these things right oh, oh absolutely um, very know them very well uh, since uh, been working with the company for twenty some years I mean they DTN started out in Omaha Nebraska back in the eighties. The company I started with uh, was called Cavorus. Back again, that started back in the early '80s. We were weather, just a weather company, but uh, DTN was one of Cavorus's largest uh, weather customers. So we were providing the weather graphics for those machines, those computers, and they, they just call them the DTN. Just call them the DTN. So yeah. if something is wrong, they call them. Well, my DTN is broken. <laughs> right? Okay. Um, but uh, yeah. But, Back in the 80s and 90s, uh, the means for communication was via satellite. So the geosynchronous uh, satellites orbiting around the, the Earth, um, that was the communication link uh, to get weather, ag, weather information, energy information. That's what those boxes 
we're built towards. Um, and, um, you know, then once uh, the Internet became more robust here and what, 20 some 20 years ago, uh, the Internet became more and more the means of communication. And now you're using computers and browsers and phones to get that information. But there's still pockets um, across North America where you don't have Internet or the Internet is still weak. And um, the satellite boxes, the satellite links are still there, although you know, that, that day is soon coming to an end. Those, D, like you say, they were just farmers too. Called them DTN. Yep, and they were so ahead of their time. Like think of, think of out in rural America, you had no way of communicating at all. You had maybe a phone line. Um, they, they had phone lines, but and this was the kind of original internet for them, and just that for these you don't remember, kind of had that real just like a simple monitor, and then the interface wasn't really even a keyboard. It just kind of had these rubber keys and arrows that you'd sort of press on the sort of computer-looking part and dial around to look for, you know, and it would give you weather forecasts, markets, and it was, it was very simple, but it was quite robust in what it could deliver for, for weather and all that stuff, which is neat. Yeah, it was, it was, it was ahead of its time back in the day, right, for yeah. communication. Um, that was the best means to, to get that information. So that you've done very well, but like everything, it, Things change, and you move towards the newest technology. It did surprise me a little. You told us beforehand that DTN stands for Data Transfer Network, right? Data Transmission Network. Or Transmission Network. That it has nothing to do with weather. Like, the acronym has no... No. Because that's really what I think a lot of the farmers we've worked with relied on it for, was for the weather. Weather, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't until uh, DTN bought Cavors that uh, we became a... You know, they became more known as a weather company, but even even after initially bought it, the weather company changed a couple of different. We were under different ownerships for a while: Meteorologics, uh, Televent, Schneider Electric, and then went back to DTN. I think in 2017, so kind of came full circle. Um, but it was still the same weather company. That'd be wild in your career to have been with five or six different companies but it was always the same you never you never left yeah i never left no i was under the same uh under the same roof all that time but yeah had different uh different names to go by yeah and like you say too what company does that where you come first i i don't know of many other ones where they you were dtn for a while then change like you said television and then to come back into dtn that's that's wild most Mm -hmm. yeah most of them don't do that once you change you're kind of that new new company Good. I got one thing to finish up with, right. man. I know you'd be <laughs> yes, excited. I, so, yeah, Dale talked hof- about. Hopefully, the, Dale enjoys this. Yeah, he is, he talked about what's a coming, and so <laughs> yep. um, we got queued up here. A good Chris Farley. Now it's going to give me the circle. Oh, of, it's, it's yeah. Now for... it's going to give me this uh, fun. Nope, yeah, nope, it's it's thinking. It's, thinking it's wanting it. to. This is great radio. Yeah, right, right here. Just <laughs> all of us sitting here. I had all queued Todd's. up. I was already <laughs> thought it would like. Buffer properly, and then it gives me that. Go to your phone. Go to your phone. Is it giving you the hand? It's yeah, pretty much middle finger right now. Oh, yeah, even want that. that was Apple's mistake. They should have just gone with a middle finger circling. That would have been. <laughs> oh, the picture's there. Yeah, as as La Nina leaves here, I'm just glad to hear that. Hopefully, as we get El Nino, that it is going to change some of this. That'd be yeah. that'd be really good. 
He's got to get out of this dry spell. Now I click too many things. Now you click too many things. It's not working. Just cut bait, Todd. <laughs> yeah, it's over. Just bail. It's bail. What? I'm, I'm going to miss I'm gonna miss yeah. it? Yeah. It, it's pure Wisconsin because it's Chris Farley, but. Yo soy el <laughs> yeah, nino. Yeah, yeah. Just Spanish for the nino. Technical difficulty. Yeah. Guess, guess you haven't uh, upgraded your, your broadband here to get a better. We were, we were just talking about that yesterday, actually, because I, I got the. Uh, we're like in this weird, like, yeah. both sides around us have it, but they won't, they won't bring, bring fiber it down the here, road. So we're trying, yeah. So we're going to have to get Starlink or something. Quick Trip is kind of screwing us up. Don't <laughs> blame Quick Trip. It's, it's Quick not Quick Trip's fault. Dale, if well, these guys are screwing around with Chris Farley. <laughs> if there was one thing that some like a layman, like you could tell a layman about weather, like here's one thing that people always get wrong, or is there something that us not in the industry would benefit greatly f- by knowing? Mm, boy, uh, I'm trying to have to think. Um, Put you on the spot. I know. I, I needed a. Needed uh, up front on that. One. <laughs> These just come to me like we're just. I, I don't spitballing. know. I mean, maybe I'll throw it back at you. It's like, so I mean, what's what's a couple of what's the thing, or you get a forecast, or what irks you, or you think, well, why does this always happen? Or I think what you went on earlier about the percentage is really kind of cleared some of that out because it's always like, well, what does that fifty percent mean? Does that mean, you know? 50% of the day I'm going to get rain or 50% of the certain area. So I think that cleared some of it up. Um, I always wonder too, like, is there local factors that can affect? Cause it seems like a ridge in like, uh, not ridge in the weather, but like a ridge in the landscape or like Lake Winnebago or something like that, like super local. Does that affect things or is it, Globe like bigger than that. Oh no, I mean that's that's a good question, but it absolutely does. So, uh, you know, if you got a like you said, there's ridges or valleys. Uh, so if you're in the valley, it, it, you you know, during the on a fall or spring morning, right, the temperature can be significantly uh, cooler than let's say what's forecast for the rest of the area. They might say, well, it's going to be forty degrees, but yet if you're in this low spot in the valley and it's got high pressure moving in there's no wind so there's the the air is not being moved around sure. mixed around it just sinks sinks and the cold air sinks right so you're going to get much cooler temperatures it could be five six seven degrees colder in that low spot versus what you know let's say you the forecast would be for um um off the tv right what the tv meteorologist is telling weatherman's telling you so yeah if, if you got crops or something in a in a lower area or you got a garden that's um you know in a lower valley and they're predicting frost or near frost well it could be a freeze for you sure. there so it has a big effect and just like being by you got lake michigan here lake michigan even lake superior i mean those two lakes uh, play a huge role in the weather for for wisconsin right especially if you're along the the coast of lake michigan the fog 
um, that sets up along there on, on some of those mornings or, or you get the lake effect. Uh, I mean, you don't get too many times where you get uh, lake effect snows um, from uh, from in over Wisconsin because the winds aren't be the Michigan side, it's right? The Michigan side, right? But yet, you know, you'll northern Wisconsin uh, and certainly upper Michigan if, with a strong fetch from Lake Superior, sure. you can get you know you're going to get those lake effect snows. Yep. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's kind of a unique again. Uh, Wisconsin has its own little uniqueness from a weather-making machine, just as we talked about the plains for creating thunderstorms. You, you can have you know, little other subtle effects here in Wisconsin. Cool. All right. It, it wasn't even the Internet. It was the video oh, itself. It was like itself. a yeah, okay. broken. So we got it. El Nino. All other tropical storms must bow before El Nino. Yo soy El Nino. For those of you who don't habla Espanol, El Nino is Spanish for the Nino. <laughs> Where's that from? You never seen that one? That was yeah. awesome. Never That's seen classic in my life. Yeah. yeah. Classic Farley. Saturday Night Live. Wow. Yeah, they did well, I'm glad you introduced me to that. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to look it up. Yeah. I, I'm glad we've played that for you <laughs> yes. now that, that you haven't seen it. That was it. worth yeah. the wait. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> and they got the little weather channel symbol down yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fun. So, all right. Well, thanks for being here, Dale. Yeah, thanks, Dale. Appreciate Thank taking you. the time. Thank you. So there you go. We talked weather today. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and thanks for listening. As always, happy farming.